Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, March 17, 2015. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 5, and we are at page 62, Paragraph 2. Today's readers are Terry H., Renata G., and Chelsea H. The reference number for Monday, March 16th, is 7397. That's 7397. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Diane G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire, Recovered Not Cured, Compulsive Overeater, 12 Steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane. I will now ask Lois to read the 12 traditions. Press star one to unmute, please. Melanie, could you please read the 12 traditions? I can. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Oregon this morning. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
2. For a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants who do not govern. 3. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 4. Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 5. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 6. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards and committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Melanie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 62, paragraph two. And we will read uh, two paragraphs um, with our focus on the second paragraph, which starts, this is how and why of it. I will ask Terry H. to begin reading. Yes, good morning, Katie. Good morning, revision for you. My name is Terry Terry H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of the selfishness. We must, or it kills us. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of getting entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to. Neither could we have reduced our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. 
Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agent. He is the father. We are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was a keystone of a new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. So here we have, um, they're giving, you know, the book has given me three aspects of a relationship with God um, for consideration. And um, what I've learned in this paragraph that, you know, God was going to be my director. So um, the director and the actor, you know, a director runs the show and the actor listens for direction. Um, so some of the, some of the questions um, for me to consider with this, with this one consideration, have I failed in directing my life on my own power? And am I ready to make the decision that hereafter God, was gonna, God will direct my life? And, and um, you know, the next consideration is the principal and agent. You know, an agent represents who the principal or employee would have them be. And um, two of the questions that were, you know, that I take into consideration with this is, you know, have I failed to be the person I would, I would have me be? And have I failed to make other people who I need them to be? And the answer would be, you know, yes in, in both. And, you know, the second question to that would be, you know, am I ready to make the decision that hereafter <clears throat> I will represent what God would have me be? And, um, you know, so it, it's getting me in a position to be turned into a new direction. And the last consideration, you know, the father and child, you know, a child, you know, trusts their father. You know, a good role mo model of a father would be, you know, that he can provide whatever the child needs and, and is incapable, of, you know, what a child is incapable of doing on their own. So the two questions that I would ask myself here is, you know, on my own, have I failed to provide what I need to be okay? You know, and, you know, the second consideration, am I ready to make a decision that hereafter I will trust that God will provide what I need? And um, so, again, it's, it's preparing me to, um, you know, the third step decision is just to be turned in a different direction, to be, you know, to, to be a, in a God-reliant God way of life. And um, so, you know, in step one, you know, they, they give us, you know, they give us the foundation. And, and, you know, they talk about the keystone here, which is the third step, you know, which the keystone is the stone that holds the, the arch together. So in order for me to, to work the rest of the steps, this step is really important. And so in step one, you know, I have the cement that binds me, um, you know, with the common problem in, in, in the solution. And then the second step, I have the cornerstone, you know, which we talked about on page 47, and that's just the willingness to believe. And the keystone is at the top of the stone, you know, of the arch. And it's um, going to give me a new concept of what God could be from this point forward. And um, I'm so grateful that um, step three is not a hard hard step. It's just making a decision: do I want to go forward, or do I want to, do I want to keep moving backwards? And um, you know, um, what do I have to lose? And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Katie. Thank you so much, Terry. Um, who would like to comment on this second paragraph that was read? This is Bella. Can I share? Okay, Bella. Is there anyone else ready to share? Charles okay. H. Okay, Charles H. Great. Okay. And Vasa. Vasa. Thank you. Okay. I think it's Vasa O. Okay. We will have Bella, Charles, and Vasa O. And uh, so Bella, go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G. And I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. 
Wow, I really love this paragraph. First of all, we had to quit playing God. Wow, such a strong sentence. Yes, before I was in the program, I was afraid and scared to, fra- to face reality. I was in a, I was playing. It wasn't my real life. And the main thing, I believe that I, one day I will be perfect. I wanted to show to myself and to everybody else I am perfect. And in a certain way, I was in a competition with God. Yeah, you are perfect. I can, I can be perfect too. If only, if only I would do better. If only I would, I wouldn't do mistakes. Thank you, God, that now I am in the program. So first of all, I want to live. I don't want to play. I want to, to live my life. How can I live my life? In freedom, when I accept and admit that I am human, I am not God, and I am not like God. I am human. I don't know everything. I have my limitations. I am allowed to do mistakes. It's, you know, this is part of being human. Now, thank you, God. I am your child. Yes, I am your child. I trust you, and I know that you love me. And you trust me too. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Ella. Charles H., your turn. Good morning, all the visionaries. My name is Charles H., a recovered visionary just for today. Thank you, KDC, for your service and everybody that's sharing, everybody that's listening, and everybody that's just everybody. Um, you know, I just want to drill down on, um, you know, First of all, like, first of all, like, the first thing I need, I, Charles H., need to stop doing is to stop playing God. First of all, before I do it, I need to, first of all, I just need to submit. That's what I get from that. Um, and, 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 like, yesterday I was talking about sacrifice and purge, and I, and I hope I'm not kicking nobody's stuff up, but I need to purge the drama of my life. I need to get it. I need to get drama out of my life, and know that he is my director. He's the one that I. He's my authority. Just for me. I don't know about nobody else. I'm not trying to, you know, be like Ebby and say, look, I've got religion, even though I do have it, but I got some spirituality on a daily basis too. He is the father, right? Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant. Uh, art through which we pass to freedom. Like once I just, I say, God, you know what? Like I've been running from God so long, but you know what? God is everywhere for me, and God is everything. I can't hide. I man, I remember like like how like I could so relate to Adam, right? Um, how did he know he was naked? How did he know he was naked? And it's just food for thought for me. Like I knew that I had to give it up. I just had to give. I had to. I had to give it up. You know, I like what the OA twelve and twelve says in the second step. Well, the third step it says, you know, we wanted God. Well, I wanted God to um allow me to eat what I want and just be at the weight that I want to be at, which is a slim weight or 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 or, or a healthy weight. So, you know, first I got to go back to first of all, I had to quit playing God, and that that is the first step for me. That's the first first things first, right? 
<laughs> I had to stop playing God. And, um, yeah, he's my director. And, and going to the, the paragraph before that, you know, I love the big book when it says must. You know, you know, it's a, it's a suggestion. But you know what? Thank God for God being God, giving me free will. God will make that possible. Like, you know what? You want to go ahead and binge yourself to death, God? Ain't nobody stopping you. But if I if I if but if I identify inward, first of all, I had to stop quit playing God and give him the driver, give him the keys, then I'll be good. He's gonna drive me to safety as long as I'm willing. As long as I admit that he's the director, as long as I admit that he's the principal, glory to God. And with that I pass. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Thank you, Charles. And Vasa, your turn. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Katie, for your service. And I am Vasa. A uh, compulsive, uh, a compulsive reader calling from uh, Florida, and uh, I just wanted to go back a few paragraphs back on, on selfish. It was really hard for me to accept that I was a selfish person because of the few paragraphs back. It says um, he may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest, and self-sacrificing. And I saw myself as that kind of a person. I was always enabling. I was always caretaking people. But for the dancers, but as we, as with most humans, he's more like to be very traced. And I had to look at that part in step four. So as I'm going, I keep on learning and learning, understanding more about myself. But I love this, the last paragraph, you know, that we just read. For me, the, the foundation of the program are the three steps. I can't, he can, I will let him. And he says, first of all, we had to quit playing God. It did not work. And for me, yes, I had to stop playing. Number one, I was afraid of God. I've been running away from God my whole life because I grew up with fearful and punishing God. But again, in my desperation, I had no choice. Vasa, go this way. Live or you want to die. So I, I just said, okay, it's going to be better life, so I will go with God. And it says, first of all, we had to quit, quit playing God, and that was me. didn't work. And I also needed to let not other people be gods in my life because, you know, that's what I did. You know, I, I play maybe God, but I think I let other people play God, you know, um, co- impose their will on me. So I needed to find a power greater than myself that will help me in that area. So for me, God was in once I surrendered with the food addiction and gradually with my life and my will, he became my new director. He is my director. He's my principal. We are his agents. He's the father, and we are his children. And I became like a childlike person, not to try to play this role of being adult, trying to run my life and try to run other people's lives, you know. So that's when he became my director. I became a student of God. And it was the best thing I had ever been in, in my life. It was like um. Uh, like an arc, you know. I went from one side to the other. It's like the bridge, you know. I remember years ago, a girl was suffering with bulimia. You know, I remember saying, 
come, come on the other side with me. It's a better life. And she couldn't. She was afraid. And then she suffered another 20 years, and now she's back in the program. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, who else would like to share? Kelsey. Barbara D. Larry. Okay, I heard Sharon H. Okay, I heard Chelsea, Barbara, um, Larry, and Sharon H. Let's go with those. Thank you, Katie. Thanks for your service. This is Chelsea H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. This whole keystone, the um, the block in the arch, as um, was pointed out by the first reader the place where it turns, and here I had to make a decision. And it's so interesting to me because normally my old pattern would be to turn in the other direction and go back, that one, two, three, one, two, three action going on. And I would invariably not go on to do the rest of the work, which comes after the turn, after I am turned, because it's nothing that I can do myself. I'm powerless. That's all been pointed out. But I need to be turned again, as was so eloquently pointed out by our first reader. So I have to make a decision to be turned away from self-centeredness into the direction towards other-centeredness. Because as the spiritual experience had pointed out to me, is that I will realize that I've undergone a profound alteration in my reaction to life. So my whole attitude and my whole way of being and thinking is just totally messed up. And no matter how much I try to spin it or in and of myself, I, there's nothing I can do except get deeper and deeper stuck. And then selfishness and self-centeredness takes over, and I think that I can still do the job myself. I can't because it does not work. And I need to establish a relationship. And I am of agnostic temperament, but what this process has taught me was that that actually turned out to be a benefit for me. Because once I realized I wasn't God, I was able to move forward because the troubles, it says, was of my own making. Thank goodness. That's the best news in the book. Because then I was able to do something about it because if I had to rely on others to, be, to make this change for me or to me, I would be screwed because we are finite human beings. We're finite. I needed a relationship with infinite power. And the only way I could do that was to turn, to turn into the direction to do the rest of the work, which comes after the turn. That keystone is in the center, and, the, and it is the curve of the archway. So you can go in either direction. But when you go in the direction that continues with the path to get to the path so you can go through the archway to freedom, you have to do the rest of the work. And that's something that I never wanted to do because I did not want to give up my job as God. And I look at it as the drama of life and me being an actress. It, to me, that was so great. This is how I came up with Didi, my divine director, because there were some suggestions here, <clears throat> excuse me, for the kinds of relationship that I could have, either with the principal, the father, the director, because this is a relationship of my own understanding. How great is that? So my attitude needs to be revamped totally. I need a whole new makeover. It needs to be shelved. I'm like a Betamax. I need to be brought up to date. 
And I'm still trying to think that I can operate in today's medium by something that doesn't even exist anymore. So it has to be done to me. And I, the willingness was there with my foundation. And then I had my cornerstone. Either I needed this power or I didn't. And now that I realize I, my need for it, I had to make a decision for that power. And I'm so grateful that I did because my life now is totally different. And I do realize that my reaction to life has changed totally. And it could hardly, as it says in the spiritual experience, be brought about by myself alone. So I'm grateful for everybody on the line. And thanks for letting me share. Pass. Thank you, Chelsea H. And Barbara, your turn. I did not get your initial. Barbara Prestar wanted to unmute. I'm sorry, were you speaking to me? Okay, no, thanks. Can you hear me now? Barbara, yes, thank you. Thank you. This is Barbara B., Recovered Composable Reader in Massachusetts. Uh, how wonderful and how wise all these words are, and they make me stop at each sentence. So right at, right at the beginning, before I can even go any further, when I look at Quit Playing God, it didn't work. It takes me back to an early sponsor who gave me a book that had as its dedication, you know, Dear God, I resign. And I thought, why is she giving me this book? And why is she trying to get this message? Because she saw what I didn't see. She saw me playing God and she knew that I needed to quit playing God but I had a lot of experiencing to do and a lot of step work to do before I could come to that point. So I had to, as it says, I had to see that it didn't work. I had to really look at my record, look at my story, and constantly look at it, which I do today. My history with food, with people, with myself, with my life shows me that what I did didn't work. I had another experienced early sponsor who said to me, Barbara, when all else fails, follow directions. And I thought, I don't like that at all. I well, what does she think I am? Some kind of a dummy that I'm going to just follow directions? Well, she knew the story. She knew, knew that I needed to follow directions. Not necessarily her directions, but at that point, I couldn't go beyond the human powers. I hadn't, I hadn't grown to that. I hadn't done enough step work to see that I had to come to beyond the human power to get directions. So it was a, a long, slow, steady, you know, on the educational variety of the spiritual experience and the transformation. But all of these steps along the way, and I thought I had to design the steps. I mean, I'm the architect. I'll design my life. It says it's a design for living. And I'll design my family's life. And I'll design my uh, sponsees' lives. So I had a lot of learning to do before I could really experience the working up to the step three. There was a lot of step work preceding that. And I, and I go through that on a daily basis because I don't want to forget. Uh, thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Larry Kay, your turn. Katie, thanks uh, for your service this morning. This is Larry Kay, uh, Recovered Compulsible Reader. You know, I'm going to zero in. It says, most, I- most good ideas are simple. And this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we pass to freedom. 
And, you know, it occurs to me that there's, there's beauty and simplicity. And yet, you know, it's like my mind is often set to look for the complex solution. You know, so it never really occurred to me um, that a baffling problem like this could be solved with such a simple solution. And, and, and pretty much everyone proposing a solution to a problem thinks that their solution solves it. You know, I mean, example, like, you know, I'm quite sure the, the, the leaders of the, the temperance movement, you know, that, that banned the sale of alcohol in the U.S., um, you know, must have thought that the prohibition would have solved the problem of alcoholism. It didn't. And why was that? Well, perhaps because they didn't understand the nature of the problem. You know, and, and just like with the manifestation of our problem, if we don't fully appreciate what we're up against, we will probably seek solutions that merely create more problems. And, in, you know, for example, I think of like um, poverty. You know, poverty isn't necessarily the actual problem, you know, but it's a symptom of other underlying issues. So, you know, if I, if, if I look to tackle the symptoms instead of the root causes, you know, I'm not going to get very far. And so we learned that our problem wasn't food or fat or restricting or vomiting or compulsive exercise or, you know, the, the relationships I obliterated or anxiety or depression or the job or, you know, we hated or where I lived. You know, once I accepted these things and many others that they were merely symptoms of my spiritual malady, well, then I could accept this simple spiritual solution laid at my feet. And, you know, you know, if I'm climbing a long ladder, you know, to the top of this huge structure, only to realize, you know, as I'm nearing the top of that ladder, that, I'm cl- that the climbing has been, you know, that the ladder has been against the wrong structure, perhaps I need to make a decision to stop climbing. And that's what it was for me. My ladder was up against the wrong structure. I had to stop climbing. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Sharon H., your turn. Press star one to unmute, please. Okay, well, would someone else like to share until Sharon H. comes back? Sean Monica. Rakesset. Santa, Janice, Monica, and Rakefit. Okay, Santa, I think it's H, and then Janice P, and then Monica, and Rakefit. Go ahead, Santa. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Kathy, and thank you for your service. My name is Santa H. I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Recover for today. Thank you, God. Um, I just want to share on a revelation that these words mean to me today. I, I mean, I know we are step three, and step three for those who are not recovered. This is about making a decision. But for me, as a recovered, compulsive overeater for just a minute, and recover for today by daily reprieve, thank you, God. Um, first of all, we had to stop playing God. It didn't work. Those words ring differently to me today um, because I still try to play God um, because I have an ego. And, um, and as long as I have that ego, as long as I'm in this human body, it will still exist. 
So that's why I have to work these steps every day. Like my life depends upon it because it does. And so I had asked myself, well, for me today, which is different than it was back then, a greater understanding as to what does it mean playing God. And to me, playing God is having this illusion that I can control life and that life is controllable. And, um, and every morning I'm reminded when I share with my 11-step budding we read on page 86, it answers the question, well, why it doesn't work? It doesn't work because when I was trying to control life, I did have a lot of excitement and fear and worry and anger, self-pity and foolish decisions. And so I was burning up energy foolishly trying to arrange life to suit myself. And I love that where it says burning energy foolishly because that, again, reminds me every morning that Santa does not get to control life, God does. And so the greatest revelation that I have gotten, and thank you, God, for this today, that I learned is that the true real fact is that I wasn't playing God. Actually, God was really playing me. And I really understand today that God is saying, guess what, Santa Shafaz, I'm the player here. And you was being played. And I'm so grateful for that. And so every time I try to get out of, try to let ego take over, which is edging God out or easing God out, I'm reminded who the real player is. And I'm so grateful for that lesson, that revelation today. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And Janice P., your turn. Good morning. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, Vision. For you, my name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So this is the how and the why of it, they're saying. This is the how and the why of it. You know, what is what is going to happen? You know, back at the end of, of that uh, place where they're talking about the steps, they say being convinced, being convinced. You know, I don't know about you, but what has convinced me is my own life experience, my own life experience. You know, I had to be taught. I had to be taught all the way along. And I think this is true for all of us. You know, I grow through those experiences, be they be painful or joyful, be they full of sorrow or full of happiness. But what I know to be true. And what the big book has pointed out to me clearly ever over and over again is the ego. The ego, my ego, that was driven by a hundred forms of fear. Driven by a hundred forms of fear. Something I want isn't gonna I'm not gonna get it, and something I have is gonna be taken away from me. You know, and so I'm holding tight to old ideas. You know, I could look at your old ideas and I could say, oh, well, that's pretty crazy. But I couldn't look at my own old ideas and see the fallacy of them. But I could look at my experience because my experience was black and white. My experience was going to show me if I could identify in that I was indeed a compulsive overeater of the most critical variety, that I had that twofold disease, that I had an allergy of the body, that even when I put down the food and said, this is it, I'm not going to pick that up again, the compulsion in my mind 
the greater aspect of the disease, I would be picking up again and again and again. And I don't know about you, but I was brought up in a household where I was taught that brain power coupled with willpower was the way to go. That it was going to solve all my problems. But again and again and again, my experience was showing me that that was an old idea that was not true. And asking for help, that was not a good idea either. You know, asking for help made you vulnerable. Made you vulnerable. And my fear said, don't be vulnerable. But this God of my understanding, this idea, this new idea of a loving God, of a powerful God, of a God that made all good things happen in the world, that God was something I could begin to believe in. And my self-centeredness, my self-seeking, that concept of self could get smaller and God could get bigger. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Janice. And next is Monica. Press star one to unmute, Monica. Hi. Can you hear me now? (laughs) Yes. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Wonderful. Thank you. Hi, this is Monica T. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. I was just blabbing away. And uh, wow, to what Janice just said. Diddle, diddle. Um, so here we are getting ready to do step three and the big book here, the last few pages, I was just looking back in my book and I had a lot of pink in my book, which meant a lot of warning. And the big book has been, you know, paragraphs and paragraphs of Monica, how's your way working for you? How's this working for you? Your selfishness, you trying to run the show and tell everybody what to do when they retaliate and you know, being restless, irritable, and discontented all your life. How has that worked? And so the big book here in this paragraph is giving us some really cut, clear-cut directions here. The saying before, we have to have God's help. I have to have help from a power that's greater than me. And they know this from experience. And then it says, this is the how and why of it. First of all, There's two requirements here. We had to quit playing God. So that's my first requirement. I've got to quit playing God. And step one has, you know, I'm in a corner and my way hasn't worked. It didn't work, just like what it's saying here. Next, we decided. So now I'm getting on the verge of making a decision to turn into this higher power. And all I need to do and know right now is that there is a higher power of some sort that I'm willing to believe in, and it's not me. That's all I need to know. And then the paragraph here is talking about different types of relationships. And um, I went through an exercise with a sponsor on this, and it was like, all right, there's five different uh, relationships here. Either pick one of these relationships you feel comfortable with or come up with your own but have some type of relationship that you would like to have with this higher power, Monica, that you can feel comfortable with, that you can turn to, that you can gently lean into this mystery here, Monica, that will do for you what you can't do for yourself. And um, in the beginning, 
I took father and child. That's what I needed. And that worked for a while. And then one day I realized that I was willing to be an actor and let God be my director. What a difference leaning towards this mystery has made in my life. Giving it over, setting aside old ideas, allowing new ideas to come in has just done wonderful. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Okay, and next, thank you so much, Monica. And Rakefet, your turn. Thanks, Katie. I'm Rakefet, recovered compulsive overeater in California. And basically, I was going to say what I wanted to say this. For me, this was a two-step process. Before I could accept and believe that God was God, I had to first accept and believe, come to believe truly that I'm not God, that I don't have the answer for everyone. I don't know what everyone else should do. And that was hard to accept because I had never heard that concept before, that I'm not God. I never knew that I was playing God, but once it was pointed out to me, yeah, I could definitely see it. And it was such a relief. It was such a relief to find out that I wasn't God because it was exhausting being God. I was I was obsessed all the time. I was angry all the time that people weren't doing what I wanted them to do. They didn't see that I knew what was best. I would obsess about it all the time, and it, it made me crazy. So once I could say, I'm not God, I don't know what you need to do. It was a really relaxing and uh, re, uh, re, relieving. And then when I could turn to God and say, you know what? God has the credentials to be God. I don't have the credentials. I'm just a finite person. I can only see what's right in front of me. I can't see anything that's in the future. I can't see anything that I can't see. It might be there, but I just can't see. But God can. God is infinite. God is everywhere. And we read that in the Bible that God is infinite and I'm finite. And so God has the credentials to be God. And once I let God be God, my life got even e- even easier. It was so it was so um relaxing. So to ask God, what would you have me be throughout my day? I'll do what you would have me be. I want to take the action that you would have me take. I want to say what you would have me say. And actually, that's really, really much easier that way to live to live life and thinking that I'm God and having to direct everybody else around me, knowing that I know best. And so I'm just so grateful that I can truly, truly accept down in my gut that I'm not God. I don't want to be God. It's too hard of a job. I don't have the credentials. But God does. God does. And I need to use God to make my life better. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Rakefa. And is Sharon H. back? Hi, Katie. This is Sharon H. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Oh, thank you. I, I don't know what happened. My phone went wacko on me. <laughs> I had to get completely out and get back in. But um, this is Sharon H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. Thank you, God. And, oh, my gosh, I've just heard so many wonderful things uh, this morning. And, you know, what <clears throat> What I've been doing and still do uh, since I've been listening to Vision for You and um, – July of 2012 as I write things out line by line, paragraph by paragraph, so God uses that 
tool for me to get this uh, and see it for what it is. So this is the why and the how of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It did not work. Now God will be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. These ideas are simple. Most good ideas are. And yet this is the concept, the new idea, the new and triumphant arc through which we pass to freedom. Am I now convinced? And I uh, was one of those that struggled for years with uh, accepting and being truly convinced to the core of my being that I was truly powerless over food and that my life would continue to be unmanageable if I did not choose to believe that my only hope was um, I had to accept that to the core of my being and then do what this book told me to do. And so now here I am in um, March of 2013 uh, after being in this program since 1981 and having periods of abstinence, but most of the time unable unable to ever stay stopped. And now I will, uh, I'm close to being two years in May. And I, yet today I had to share uh, with someone else on this network before the meeting, um, a fear that came up, a fear that came up. And some things that I have been given through this uh, program or this listening to this meeting is this turnaround sheet and I loved when someone shared need to be turned and that's me I need to be turned just like a pancake because I can get stuck in either thinking I've got it all together I've arrived and I'm full of pride or I go to the other side of the pancake and think that oh I'm just lower than a snake's belly and you know I'm being punished for all my past mistakes so the set-aside prayer was another gift I received in this program that helped me see that I had taken back on so many old ideas that were not the truth. And so through this fear thing, you know, again, it just shows me, am I back into my self-centered fear and that's the only thing that's going to work? Or am I going to trust in God's infinite power to do for me what I can't do for myself? And so this continues on, and I'm so grateful that... Um, I'm seeing these things for what they are, and I get to be a part of this group and be on this line uh, every day, and uh, what a difference it has made uh, in my life um, regarding this substance abuse that I have with regards to certain foods that I dare not, cannot even take one little bite of. Uh, so I'm just so grateful to be here today, and I'm so grateful you're here, Katie, and God bless you, and God bless everybody out on the line. With that, I pass. Thank you. Are there others who would like to share on this paragraph? Alice M. Leah. Sarah. Okay. I'm sorry. My brain's not working here. Okay. Let's go with... Um, Alice M, Leah M, and Sarah W. Go ahead. Hi, this is Alice, a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic from Florida. And uh, what a challenging paragraph for me this used to be. Um, I there's there's you know I'm I'm a, I'm an atheist, and so it's crucial for me to identify in with as much as I can this big book. And I used to think I can't identify him with this paragraph. There are seven references to God or he or him, which is not my concept of higher power. 
So how do I um, switch it around to identify in, which is the beautiful liberty we all have um, with, with the text here? First of all, so it says, first of all, we had to quit playing God. Well, since I didn't believe in God, that didn't make sense to me. I didn't have to quit anything then. So what it was for me, um, you know, I had to quit thinking I knew best, that I was intellectually above this 12-step program, this simple program. I was different. Um, you know, I needed extra special, different type of help. Um, next, we decided that, and for me, next we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, instead of, um, you know, the concepts that are that are written there, what works for me is, you know, instead of this, where did I go here, um, this drama of life, it's the steps, the principles, the fellowship, the collective wisdom of those that have gone before me and have led the way for me, those of you on the line right now who are recovered in, in um, practicing these principles in all your affairs, who are being that example for me, those of you who have paved the road of recovery for me, that was going to be my director. You know, it was that concept, all of that combined, um, all of that collective higher power, some people might call it, just I call it a strength, um, was my keystone, my foundation uh, through, you know, that helped build the arch through which I can pass to freedom. And I am so, I'm so grateful. You know, I'm just so grateful that something happened to me, gift of desperation, I'm sure, being close to death, just not wanting to live on this planet, wanting to kill other people and myself. Um, that I was willing to, okay, you know, throw in the towel, Alice. You can't, it's, something is wrong. You know, you're, you being in charge here is not working. It's time to turn it over. It's time to let all this go, you know, and start listening and watching, you know, listening, following directions of a sponsor, um, being open-minded and following feedback and directions of those in the fellowship who have gone before you, who are living the life that you want. And, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just really glad that I did that. I, I quit playing the person I was playing, um, the one who was just very self-righteous. I knew, I knew what was right for me. I knew what was right for you to have a little taste of humility and just kind of melt and say, I give, I give. You know, I will do what you people are doing. And um, I'm really grateful that I'm there at this point. And um, so that's it. I just wanted to share that, and I pass. Thank you, Leah M. Your turn. Thanks so much, uh, Katie. Good morning, everybody. This is Leah M. Recovered compulsive overeater. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. You know, this disease had. Um, pummeled me, beat me into a state of reasonableness. I had been cornered by this illness. There was no doubt about it. Here in this paragraph, they're saying, you know, (laughs) quit playing God, Leah, you know, find a new relationship. You know, my whole life, my primary relationship had been with food. It was my soulmate. It was my refuge. It was my companion. It was my comfort. It was also my enemy. It was my destroyer. It was my nemesis. 
it had been the answer to all my problems, you know, for almost two decades. And what had resulted was mayhem and madness. Um, and so the big book here is encouraging me uh, to be realigned. That's what steps one, two, and three do, is realign me with God. Proper alignment, meaning there is a God and you're not it. <laughs> and it doesn't matter, Leah, if you can't define it, if you can't comprehend it, if you can't wrap your brain around it, if you don't understand it, if you don't have great certainty about it, if you don't have great feeling about it, that's okay. All of the steps one, two, and three were doing for me was saying, you are powerless, Left to your own resources, look where it's gotten you. You know, you have, you have great misery and suffering right now. So he put me in right relationship with God. There is a God. I'm not it. I may not know what that God is, but that's okay. It's not me. Seven put me in right relationship with my mind, with myself, through the examination of my attitudes and my behaviors. In, in that four through seven process. And steps eight and nine put me in right relationship with other people. So it's getting me in proper position. I'm making a decision. I had to make a decision for God, for a power greater than myself. How was that going to be implemented? Well, it was going to be implemented by further action steps four through nine. But it was a decision to turn away a specific decision to turn away from the relationship that I had been depending on in food, food to bring me comfort, food to ease me, food to uh, be my safe harbor, and instead turn and be willing to be turned for a relationship with God. And the point was to find a relationship that has personal meaning. So they gave me suggestions here, director, actor, principal, agent, father, child, etc. You know, what relationship has personal meaning to you, Leah, at the time that you're doing this work? And in prayer, be guided by that spirit to select a relationship that would foster some type of spiritual evolution. I started with a very crippled belief system, but the program of recovery kept pressing me further and further as that relationship developed. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Leah M. And Sarah W., you'll be our last chair this morning. Uh, thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sarah W., a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. Um, I'd like to just take that last four, four words. It says, we, we pass to freedom. And I'd like to just... Um, have you just think about for a moment as I was uh, behind me is this dark, dank place that, you know, I've created this, you know, this storm that I've lived through, um, not only with food, but with everything, you know, relationships that are so unhealthy and, and, um, and that I've done a lot of damage in and, you know, my body, which I've been so destructive with. And here I am entering into this archway. And in front of me is this, you know, beautiful scenery that isn't perfect, but it allows me to feel like I'm free from the shackles that have been around me all this time. And I guess that's the way I look at the third step, you know, in the 12 and 12, it talks about um, all we need is a key and the decision to swing the door open. And there's only one key, and it's called willingness. 
And, you know, if I look back over the last two steps, you know, the first step was all about honesty. And hopefully, you know, as I'm living my life, I'm practicing honesty. And the second step is all about hope. And now here we are, we're talking about faith and commitment. You know, my commitment to myself, to my higher power, that I'm going to start to live in a a way that's going to be different. And it's through the fourth step, through the ninth step, that, you know, I'll, I'll really find this sense of, you know, what the promises tell me. So, um, you know, as was stated by, and so beautifully by so many other people, um, we do change, you know, the steps do change us. And, um, you know, it's, it's really a miraculous thing. Life doesn't become perfect, but we can become calm and peaceful in the midst of storms and in the midst of, of beauty and be able to give, finally have a purpose. You know, finally have a purpose. So grateful to be abstinent, to be sober, to be in my right mind. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, uh, uh, Sarah W. And I would like to thank everyone who has shared today. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Though we're not a G, please read A Vision for You. A book is meant to be suggestive only. Sure. Thank you for your service, Katie. This is Renata G., Recovered Composable Reader in New York. Our book's meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellow. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.